Stronger. <laughs> hey y'all. Uh welcome to QVT. I'm Shawnee. And I'm Maddie Germs. And we're two queer babes talking about a lot of things. What are we talking about this week? Maybe we'll talk about some pop culture. Maybe we'll talk about politics. Maybe we'll talk about our feelings. You never know, honestly. It's really a, just a grab bag. Of everything. Is that what a grab bag is? Yeah, you know, like in the dollar store when there's the do- a bag for like a boy or a girl and you grab whichever one you want and then you go home and it's like sometimes it's jacks and sometimes it's a shrinker animal, you know, when you like put it in the sink and it grows. I don't know that I've ever been to the dollar store and gotten one of those before. That's fine. We can move on. Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. <laughs> Shawnee, I want to get us started the same way we get started every week by asking you a very simple question. What's up, slut? This segment sort of acts as a holding place for how you might have a beginning or check-in question with a, a therapist. So like during a therapy session, you're thinking about maybe I don't know what to talk about or I'm having trouble orienting a, myself to this space. So a therapist might ask us sort of like, open-ended question or idea question just to kind of get the tongue rolling, the tongue, teeth, and lips, that, 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 you know? Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So one thing I was thinking about it uh, in my group's class, we did this check-in called GLAD. So it's something you're grateful for. That's the G, something you learned today or this week, um, an accomplishment, and then a delight. So it's like um, a well-rounded question that I think allows for um, a little bit of room to meander and also isn't as simple as how you doing, you know? Yeah, I like it. Um, I've heard of this before and I want to do it. Okay, great. Um, I can do, I can give an example. So something I am grateful for I am grateful for OHP right now. I uh, have been able to access mental health counselors that have been super helpful for me the past few weeks and being able to have insurance that lets me check in with those folks. I'm grateful for them too, I guess, but (laughs) so maybe it's like the access to healthcare, whatever. Either way, that has been great. Something I've learned. Oh, I learned that I can backtrack the homework on these episodes because I did the homework from episode one this week, (laughs) which was to um, be off social media. On a day, I completely deleted everything. and um, You did, because I was concerned. We have have QBT pod on Instagram, and you need to look at some things. You didn't look at them because you didn't have Instagram. I didn't. I um, completely checked out. And I was telling you and joking with you, I'm like, I literally have no self-control. I have to fully just absolutely delete it off my phone. So <laughs> I like, don't think about it. My phone, my thumbs and eyes still do the, um, like I'll go to the screen to tap on the place where that icon was and it's not there anymore. I'm like, oh, this is bad. It's like real bad. It's like phantom vibrating, but it's like yeah. phantom app. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I learned that, uh, you know, like, we talked about last episode when you did it, it was helpful. It was really nice to not be hyper plugged in. Uh, So I appreciate it. Appreciated it. Um, An accomplishment. Um, 
we're dating ourselves a little bit, but an accomplishment is that we have come back for another episode and we're making this a real thing. And people have been giving us really good feedback about the first um, releases of this show. And when something feels really vulnerable to touch and play with and examine, and then it gets put out there and then people are nice about it, it, it feels like an accomplishment. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but that's tied into my D delight. I, both of those things feel really related to me. So what about you? What's your glad? What's something you're grateful for? Grateful for? I'm grateful for, gosh, to be alive. Honestly, truthfully, to be healthy and alive right now. Where I mean, again, it's tough times and I have to wake up and just kind of be really happy that I'm still healthy and that I'm still here, you know? And then for what? Learn today, learn this week. Um... I learned that <laughs> I learned that apparently it's really hard for people to not touch each other and have sex for a hundred thousand dollars. And that's oh. from a show. <laughs> what is that Netflix show called? Too hot to handle. Oh, I right. am my mind is blown that people are willing to just sacrifice a hundred thousand dollars for sex. Also, not mine isn't really that blown, but kind of, like kind of. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't watched it. It feels crazy to me. I, at the same time, all those people are really hot. Maybe that's what it's like when you're like so hot. You're just like, well, there's nothing else I can do. I just like, I have to fuck or I'll die. I don't want to know what that's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never want to be that hot, you guys. Like, listen, everybody wants to be hot. Well, some people want to be hot. I don't want to be so hot that I'm like... I gonna turn down a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, like something's wrong at that point. Okay. <laughs> accomplishment. I probably have the same accomplishment as you. We released a podcast. We did it. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's that's a big deal. I feel like it's we've talked about this. Something we wanted to do before all of this. You know, it's something that's been on our minds for a while. Um, it's something that I have actually attempted once before with way too many people. <laughs> um, and this time I actually accomplished it. So I share that with you for real. Yeah. I, um, I almost started with being grateful for you. And then I was like, she's going to think that's too sappy. You're going to be grateful for me. And then in like a year be like, Oh my God, fuck that bitch. <laughs> but then I'll be grateful for it. Cause that's just drama for the podcast. <laughs> Come on, promo. Either way. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm setting up the season seven split. There we go. You have to think ahead. You have to plan <laughs> ahead. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then a delight. Oh, an absolute delight for me has been the flowers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell right? yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, the world is in bloom right now and... I'm just enjoying either looking out of my window or just going on long walks and just really looking at nature. Yep. Not being able to go to like, out on hikes and whatnot because state parks are closed. Um, mm -hmm. It's still nice just being able to look at flowers and look at things bloom and kind of see that the world, like the actual physical planet itself is still rotating breathing. and breathing and it also needed a reset. And I think it's beautiful and I am delighted by that. I absolutely agree. In some ways, fuck spring because of allergies, but also in other ways, them purple and pink trees with them tiny guys that go on the ground, I love them. Love them. Love them. <laughs> oh my God, allergies are a thing that I didn't realize were a thing until like two years ago. Well, no, I take that back. 
Back in college, I experienced allergies for the first time ever in my life. I went to school in Atlanta, which when spring hits, the trees explode, right? There's just pollen. Fuck, fuck that pollen. Fuck it. Like, it's, it's a layer. It's like three inches thick on everything. I don't care who you are. Like, you have allergies. It fucks you up. If you live down there. Like, it fucked me up. I couldn't breathe. My eyes were like bloodshot red i had a pounding headache all day i didn't know what was wrong with me i thought i I legitimately thought that i was dying um i had to call my mother and she giggled and laughed at me and was essentially just like boy it's just allergies and i was just like what Uh uh-uh like people deal with this every year all the time why hasn't there been a riot (laughs) yeah people are out protesting about this we'll talk about protests later um People are protesting allergies. We haven't found, like, a cure for the common allergy. I mean, I guess it's called Benadryl or Sudafed. But, like... I can't fuck taking Benadryl in the day. I have things to do. Um, I'm, like, full toddler. If you give me a Benadryl, I'm out in, like, seven and a half minutes. Same. I'm sensitive to any and all medications. So, Mm. yeah. Give me half a Benadryl. And I'm like, night. Put Um, a full Adderall. And I'm like, wake up! (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, I, a lot of people move to the West Coast and they move to Oregon and they're like, this is the worst allergies I've ever experienced in my life. And I hear that and I feel you. But for me, I thought that springtime meant death for me for like most of my life. Like it literally wasn't <laughs> until I left North Carolina and got away from like that fucking pollen. And not that it isn't beautiful because it's very gorgeous. It just it stopped my respiratory system once a season. <laughs> like I like physically could not function. So like to move out here and it's like not as bad, uh, at least the pollen, you can't like see it to the level of like that Atlanta, yeah. North Carolina stuff. It's like, is thick. It's disgusting. It's thick. Ooh. Oh, she thick. Okay. Um, how'd you do on the homework for this week? Uh, last week we, you gave us the challenge of prayer practicing a mindful moment or taking a mindfulness practice into a day of our lives. Um, how'd you do? I did great. You know why? I'm always going to do great at the homework because I come up with the homework, <laughs> which means we might have to switch off, but I don't know. Maybe I'll give myself an actual challenge and not just like a challenge for y'all. You're like, um, this is just stuff I already do. So I get to brag later. Yeah, essentially. I mean, I try to meditate every morning. It's been a long journey to do it. Do not, I'm not going to front right now. It's not like I've been meditating Every day, every morning for the last decade. I hope to get to that point one day, but no, that's not the case. I <clears throat> brought mindfulness and meditation into my life a while ago, but it's not something that I've practiced consistently until recently. So yeah, the homework was easy for me to do because it's something that I kind of wake up, get my day started, and then I like decompress from all of that by meditating. So damn. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, and aspirational. I was not as successful. I wouldn't say unsuccessful though. I would say like I get a little more than half credit. So while I was editing the last episode, we do the mindful moment and I decided to kind of like breathe along with it. I don't know if I fully got extremely comfortable and zoned out, but I did make sure I noticed my breathing and counted along. And then in it, so that we had like a cut for breaks we're like hey whoever's listening like go fucking eat a snack or whatever i actually took a break and so 
I was mindful of time and what I was about to like dive into, which was like another hour and a half worth of work. And I actually decided to like step outside and breathe. And so I would say I, I didn't do a full intentional meditation, but I noticed my breath and I took a break when my body was like, please, please, please get out of this folded position that you're sitting in. Yeah. Well, this is, we'll count this grade as like pass fail. Yes! So you pass. I'm in graduate though. school right now. <laughs> you pass. I think that it's just important to take the moment and it's about being mindful. It's not, be you the know, moment. Yeah, be the moment. It has nothing to do with it. I am the moment. The moment is me. The moment is now. <laughs> and I am current. I am she. We are one. <laughs> um, do you have some uh, meaty discussion for us this week? I think that we should talk about loneliness this week. Okay. That's a bit of a doozy. It is, but uh, the way I look at it is let's just talk about this shit now, get it out of the way, and then we can talk about the fun stuff later. No. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, in the first episode, there's like a, a moment where we're like, what do you think about career mental health? And your first words out of your mouth are loneliness. <laughs> yeah. I'm you, like, you said loneliness. I'm sad. Like, I'm depressed. <laughs> I'm alone. <laughs> None of that has changed, by the way, in the two weeks since that first episode. Um, no, no, no. I think that loneliness is <clears throat> a topic that anybody can relate to, right? Like, we have all felt this sense of loneliness at some point in our life, whether it's currently with uh, the current situation or whether it's just been, like, in the past, right? Like, yeah. there, there are just times when you explore this world, you go about this world, completely to yourself, you know, whether that's you because you've been closed off and you don't let people in, whether that's just because truly, like, you don't have anybody you can talk to um, or you just don't feel like you have somebody that you can talk to. I think that loneliness is something that people experience around the world and it shows up in all kinds of different ways. Um, So I want to talk about it because I think it's a hard thing to also talk about. A lot of people don't like to say that they're lonely. Um, I know that for me, I, it took me a really long time to actually state to myself, I don't really say it to other people that often, but to myself, like, Hey, I don't really like being single and I don't like being alone and I do live by myself, but that doesn't mean I don't want people around. Um, as much of an introvert as I am, introversion does not mean I like to be left alone all the time. Introversion right. means that I don't get my energy from other people. I get my energy from like being by myself and being able to like reset. Um, and as soon as I've been able to do that, I can go back out into the world and I'm great. Um, but <clears throat> being introverted, I don't think should be synonymous with being like alone or feeling alone. I don't think I dare say that a lot of introverts probably don't feel alone. They probably feel great when they're being left alone. So, I totally agree. I think that you're also touching on potentially the difference between just the status of being alone, like not necessarily relationship status, but just like I am in this closet. No one is in this closet but me. I am alone in this closet. And then the concept of loneliness, which is like a much more untangible experience (laughs) like and the one of the worst things about it is that like when it's being felt and when it's being kind of all consuming of your person all of the things that can make that better in terms of like reaching out to other people or like doing things you enjoy become difficult because it becomes like the only thought that you can have in your head is that i am alone no one wants to be around me 
you know, I'm not experiencing joy. I'm misunderstood. Like it's such an abstract thing that is about other people, but also is really about yourself. And then like you're saying, you could be an introvert and sitting in a room alone and do that for a while and not feel loneliness. And then I have been in a room with a bunch of fucking people and I feel more alone than I've been when I'm by myself, you know, like, um, when you brought this up as a topic, I like was excited because obviously we both as human beings have a lot of experience with this and it just feels so big to even know where to begin with it. I know it's, it's a hard road to kind of start down. So with most things that happen in therapy, let's, I can relate it to something that happened to me recently. Right. Okay. And then let's just kind of explore and poke and prod that and see what it opens up to. Um, and, you know, the, the whole point isn't for us to resolve loneliness in this topic. I'm sure loneliness will be something that pops up consistently and constantly because it's just, it's not an emotion or a feeling that goes away that you just sort of kind of solve and then that's it, right? You kind of have to get comfortable with loneliness and you have to learn how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it hit me most, I mean... So I don't think it's any like surprise. We're recording this during the COVID-19 pandemic. So a lot of people are being forced to, you know, stay at home, not be able to go outside. And I think for me, it hit me the hardest. I've been fine for a few weeks. And I think that it hit me the hardest this, this week, just because I've been extremely frustrated at work. And I had to realize that my frustration was coming from a place of, not being able to like talk to anybody else about like what else is going on with me in life, right? Like, yes, I can voice call people. I can like FaceTime people. I can like do all of that. But being able to like share a physical space with somebody and being able to like, I don't know, there's something about a face-to-face of real life interaction with somebody that helps you feel a little less lonely and helps you feel like they actually get it and they're there with you. Like, because they're there physically, you can just kind of like get it from them. And the physicality of human beings is something that I'm missing right now. And then I think when you couple that with the fact that I am single, that I do live alone, that connectivity was missing before this whole pandemic. So it's almost like it's doubled down now in a way because not only was I already like alone and by myself, but now I'm dealing with like a pandemic, you know, a global crisis by myself. I'm still responsible for me by myself, like in this home. And simple point in case is like getting masks and like getting protective gear, right? Like I have been, and I keep saying, like I've been working incessantly. Like I'm just constantly stuck in front of my computer I don't have as much, like, I don't have as much time to go find the things that I need for myself, right? Like, I have a dog as well. He has to go on a walk. He has to suffer sometimes because there's not somebody else around that I can be like, yo, today's crazy for me. Can you, like, help me out with this real quick? Mm-hmm. That's not a reality for me. Like, I have to do it all by myself. And I especially have to do it all by myself right now because I don't live with anybody else. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear that and I, where my mind goes is as a society, we've built structures that work best in communal systems, right? Like, so when we think about marriage and this history of women as property, but it's also like about the survival technique of like having a, a unit that 
is responsible for each other and the chores around each other and that kind of thing. And then that can be fine if there's single people within it. If we also exist in a society that takes care of each other better, we have a political system that doesn't value social welfare. We have like individualism that's like so important to everyone that this rise of the single unit person and much further into adulthood than we've seen previously, if not for an entire lifetime, we as America or, you know, it exists in other countries too, but like, we're not ready for that. Like we don't know what the response correctly is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we're seeing loneliness be this kind of side effect of this other thing, which is like financial independence, taking ownership of oneself and declaring oneself as like valid as being fine as being oneself, you know, like, and then especially as queer people, like we feel the need to make that declaration more often than not, I guess, you know? And so it's like those two ideas kind of coming at each other. Yeah. Which I think you didn't say this exactly, but I like little flag went off for me around expectations and just like expectations being like being a part of this country being a part of queer culture right like the expectation is that like you're going to that you're like fine being alone right like if anything like you should want to be alone because like you can accomplish this that and the third yeah um, individually but then it contradicts itself in that same sense that like yes let's value individualism but also like we'll give you a tax break if you like (laughs) are married and have four children, right? And it's like, that's a weird thing. You want me to like be an individual, but still be part of this family unit, which I think is important to call out. Like it's a family unit. We don't necessarily get behind like a community, like you're saying, like we don't get behind the queer community or the black community, right? But we get behind the idea of like a family. And I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's always nice and fine to say like, friends or the family that like you get to pick or whatever right like it's in the same sense you're getting able to like pick the community you want to belong to but that doesn't mean that the rest of the world values and cares about that community right but what they do care about is your family which you also can't pick so I feel like especially being a black gay male it's it's always been this lonely road and journey because it's like well I want to belong to my family, which also belongs to this larger Black community, but they also feel a certain way about me being gay, especially, you know, being in the South. So, like, I want that from them, but at the same time, I don't want to change who I am to fit into that. So if that means that I have to be an individual and have to kind of, like, be alone, in the, like, on this planet, like, so that I can still be my gay-ass self, mm-hmm. then that's what I'm going to choose. I'm not going to choose to, like let go of who I am just to fit in. Right. And I think what you're also reminding me is, you know, like point blank period, everyone experiences loneliness. Like that is just like a universal experience in some ways. What is heightened maybe, and what you're speaking to is that there is this queer experience where within this family unit that is supposed to be this thing that protects us from the world that doesn't, honor individual people you know like you have to have people that take care of you especially like when you're a fucking child you can't feed and clothe and bathe yourself you know like you learn that but when you're a queer child you are and and a queer child growing up in a non-affirming household you are experiencing loneliness on an everyday level that it becomes part of your dna in some ways like you and and loneliness i think as an idea is also 
this perception of being misunderstood and like unheard. And when you're around these people that are supposed to be caretakers for you, that also out of the other side of their mouth talk about faggots this and not in the fun way, but like homosexuals this, hell this, whatever, it teaches you that either what I'm experiencing and what I'm feeling and who I am is incorrect, or I'm the only right one. And I'm, I'm the only one who knows what's up. Like, how does my parents, my aunts, my pastors, my Sunday school teacher, my regular teachers, like, how are all these people right? And I'm the only right one. Like, that's a lonely feeling, you know? And um, it becomes this thing that, like you're speaking to, is obviously piled on upon and on upon and on upon, depending on our intersections of different identities, you know? And I'm also thinking about queer loneliness in the opposite spectrum of childhood and like our elders, like once you're not fuckable, no one wants to talk to you. And like, especially folks that survived, you know, HIV AIDS in the eighties and nineties, like they didn't have folks to like talk to them and hold them. And like, they couldn't go to their mom because they'd already been kicked out of their house and be like, I just watched all my friends die, you know, like, that's lonely. And I think that then they, you evolve 20 or 30 years past that you're having a lonely experience now because like, it's weird to go to the club when you're X amount of age and like everyone's dressing weird and like, it's pretty much just a hookup thing. And then there's all this new language to learn. And not that I'm letting anyone off the hook for being an asshole. I'm just saying like, I can understand that experience as lonely and I can understand like, older lesbians that lost partners or whatever that took care of gay people that suddenly have this like weird gay lesbian gay men being misogynistic to women like divide i bet that's an older lonely experience too if there aren't children involved you know i didn't mean to rant i just was trying to explain maybe why i hear what you're saying about loneliness in childhood and also give another perspective to why loneliness is a particular queer experience yeah, I mean, I thank you for that. You <clears throat> and you provided a perspective that, you know, I have felt that as well growing up. And then again, at the opposite end of the spectrum, it's, I'll be real about it. Like I, yes, I look forward to growing older and having the wisdom and like, you know, all that good shit that comes with it. But like, I am absolutely terrified of like becoming like an elder and older, like adult, right? Like, I'll be honest about that. Yes, of course, it's it'll feel great to look back on your life. And if you have a family, you know, that you've raised, then like, you know, yeah, you're looking at the grandkids running around X, Y, Z. But I also think hand in hand with that, and this is a whole other topic for a whole other episode, but the whole idea of just aging in general is this can be scary. And I think that there's a loneliness that comes with that. My mind immediately goes to like, this is crazy. Like my grandmother who lives alone right now, she's doing fine. She's great. She's alive. She's fine. She actually, I, me and her had a really good discussion uh, this past weekend because we both realized that we're introverts and we also both realized that we don't like to be bothered with people, her exact words. So Uh, I had a really good moment with her that we shared. I actually felt, if anything, like for one of the first times ever in life, like, oh, maybe I do belong to this family. That like, Um, because my grandmother feels the same way about the world that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, We had just never really had that discussion um, before, Mm -hmm. which 
I forgot where I was going with this, but that also leads me to another point, which is about reaching out and about trying to find that community, right? And again, it's not going to be easy. I don't think that reaching out to people and finding community is something as simple as, you know, Instagram and send somebody a DM. You know, please don't, I mean, slide in people's DMs if that's what you're about, but that's not, sliding in DMs is not going to be the thing that like finds your community for you, unless your community is thoughty people that are just in DMs, Mm -hmm. which, you know, no shame. Anyways, it's about reaching out and it's about, it is about getting a little bit more comfortable with letting the wall down in terms of expressing that you're lonely. I think that I've had to learn to tell people. I can remember a conversation I had with a good friend of mine a few months ago where, you know, she was trying to flake on a thing that we were supposed to do together. And I just held her to it. I didn't let her. I said, like, I really need this right now. Like, I'm having a tough time. And I get that, like, you're probably tired. You don't want to do this. But, like, this is what I need. Um, and, and Portlanders are like queens for being like I um, have reached my social anxiety limit for the day, which yeah. is like what makes this town kind of cool and also annoying as fuck. Everyone's so-, <laughs> so flaky, but she she heard that and she hung out with me, and it wasn't like a thing. It was literally just like I just need somebody around right now. Yeah. And I think that we as human beings have to get a little bit better at being honest about that and just (laughs) saying that. And I know there's a lot that comes along with it, right? We were taught a lot of things growing up. I mean, just from the, I can't speak from any other perspective than the one that I've lived, but like just growing up as a male in general, a cisgender male is like in and of itself, learning to express your emotion and learning to just like speak up and say like, I don't feel good right now, or I like need somebody else around is difficult like it takes years for like somebody to be able to just say that because you're taught growing up you know to fit into the um you know the cliche box of masculinity um but part of that box is not reaching out for help when you need it and when you're lonely like when you're truly like in the depths of loneliness you need help like (laughs) you can't convince me otherwise you can't convince me that somebody can be at rock bottom when it comes to the loneliness and they're still just okay being left alone. Right. Like, at some point you need somebody else there and it becomes a thing that's not just in your head, which kind of drives me to my next question, which is like, what is loneliness? Like, is it something that exists kind of in your head for how you feel about yourself? Is it an actual physical manifestation of like not having people around? Is it a combination of all those things? Like, what does it say- mean to be lonely? Hmm. I mean, I, I definitely think it's a combo because I think that you have kind of like what we were talking about earlier, we have the state of, you know, aloneness, which can definitely exacerbate the feelings of loneliness, but loneliness as a like side effect of depression, loneliness as a side effect of isolation, loneliness as a side effect of poverty, loneliness as a side effect of not having property, loneliness as a side effect of excommunication from family, like those external situations become a traumatic brain response. You know, like we are living through sometimes when we're experiencing loneliness, our brain trying to make sense of why we feel so bad. 
human beings are designed for intimacy. Like we are designed for physical touch. Like we're designed to take care of each other, but we have all these systems in place about how to make money off of us as human beings that that is not fostered, you know? And like you were saying earlier, friends can make a family, but it's not recognized outside of that. But that's why we need to fight hard, harder for that. You know, like we should, we should make it a political action that taking care of each other is not far-fetched. Like we should make it a political action that like taking care of, you know, as fucking Jesus said, the least of these is something to hold as a queer identity. Like, so that's why when I feel and when I talk about being queer as like a political identity, it's about taking care of each other. <laughs> like it's, a, it's about saying that like the ways that we have normalized experiencing this world create brain trauma in people because like feeling alone and feeling misunderstood and feeling that all the time and in repetition for years and years and years and years and years and feeling lonely about different things, that fucks you up. Um, and like you were talking about earlier, there is not to put onus on folks when they're feeling down, but like there is this sort of split ownership of how to make this better, which is like, one, I can reach out to folks. But that becomes complicated too when every time you felt this way, which is like once a month you reach out to someone and maybe that list of people you reach out to gets smaller and smaller because people who feel good don't hold capacity for loneliness. They think it's like contagious or something. Like it becomes this scary thing when you watch someone feel lonely. And especially when you're with someone and they're feeling lonely, like I think we need to build a resiliency to negative emotion in general, but especially loneliness. When you feel that way and someone takes time out of their day to tell you they love you and make time for you, even if you're feeling lonely, like even if you're not like best self, even if you're feeling lonely, someone gives you a hug and tells you they love you, like that feels amazing, right? Honestly, when we started talking, you were talking about the admitting it part. And as we were doing some research or I was like reading some things about loneliness, several things suggested facing loneliness in the face and being like, I'm fucking lonely, which I think is kind of what you were touching on in terms of like asking for help. It's an acknowledgement of like, shit, I feel lonely. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, that's like the first step with anything and especially with loneliness, like you have to be aware of the fact that you're like lonely. Yeah. And I think that I would be real funny right now. I realized earlier this week, we kind of talked about this. I was just like, fuck. I'm horny. And I'm like, I had to realize, and I mean, sorry if there's children listening, but Ew. gross. We don't like children. Um, yeah, I had to I had to realize that. And like also you guys, there's nothing wrong with being horny. We all get horny. Like I realized that's what was going on with me, and I was just like, Well, there's nothing I can do about this. And then that also opened up the door to like, well, there was something I could do about it. But I was also like <laughs> Uh, I'm just alone and, you know, it's just me. I have to figure this out again by myself. Um, mm -hmm. But then again, that also opened up the door for me to realize I'm aware of the fact that I'm alone right now and that's why I'm feeling this way. Yeah. I was also doing the thing, just to add some, add some levity to all of this. Um, I have been looking out my window and there have been guys running by <laughs> there. They're not even hot, Maddie. Like, they're not even hot, but I'm looking at them just like... Titties bouncing. Honestly, I would take it right now. <laughs> it's just like, that's not okay. But also, like, that is a side effect of being alone. Is me being horny and, like, looking at not hot guys and thinking that they're hot. There's absolutely something attached to sexual pleasure and the lack of it that 
can exacerbate that feeling of loneliness, especially when we found as queer people, sometimes validation in sex, when that is deprived from us, we feel like shit when we don't have it. Oh my God, it's so true. <laughs> Which again is a whole topic for another episode, but the- Sex and intimacy. Sex and intimacy, but also like muscle body worship amongst like the gay community, which oh, yeah. I think attributes to a lot of the negative feelings, including loneliness that some yeah. of us feel, you know, like we got to get out there and we got to like, we have to respect and tolerate body diversity and yeah. single, in the body in every single form that it takes. And I, and I hate to even think that people probably suffer from loneliness or feel very alone because they don't feel like they measure up to something that they see on television or something that, you know, the queer community tells them that they are supposed to look like or supposed to deal with. I, you know, another point of mine that I'll bring up is we live in Portland. It's a pretty liberal place, a pretty like, I mean, I mean, in the, in the superficial vanity way of what you expect liberal to be. And I just throwing up air quotes. Um, I think that, you know, it's a place that people will say and some people probably feel like they can be as free as they want and X, Y, Z. I have struggled a lot um, belonging to the queer community here because I don't feel like I belong in a few different kinds of situations. And that has also contributed to my loneliness. And I think that when I first moved here the first couple of years, um, it was difficult for me to make friends, difficult for me to kind of go out there and be out on the quote unquote scene. Um, because I didn't feel as though I measured up to what the rest of the queer community gave. And I also felt like you have to be this certain kind of gay person, this certain kind of queer to like fit in with this community and for them to accept you. So I also want to like make sure we're painting a picture here of like, this is not like the rest of the world is fucked up and, you know, queer society and community like has it all figured out. Like, I think there's absolutely a lot of stigma and a lot of what's the word like boundaries that we put up amongst ourselves that you know create these these feelings of loneliness for everybody well i mean like most white people white gay people often divert themselves to whiteness before anything else so like that isn't i don't even know how to like pivot from there i'm just saying like wait maddie you're white (laughs) (laughs) yuck yes um yes yes there's no way to say that in like a good way (laughs) no there's just not it's Mm. honestly just we can't why are we even doing this podcast you're what this this is the last episode thank you for loving me still (laughs) um of course so in portland especially i mean with body diversity as well i mean we established episode one that like i am muscle bound like i don't even fit in this screen like i'm just my muscles are so big it hurts to lift my arms sometimes like the abs i just like do my laundry on them you know yeah Um, you have like a you have a tin pack now yeah it's really crazy i mean i've been contacted by every instagram user my dms ugh, disgusting but as like a super hot person i still (laughs) like feel body diversity is important in terms of loneliness. Um, There's also, I mean, we made jokes, but like mothers like don't know what to do once they have kids because their friends without kids don't know how to connect with them anymore. And that's a lonely experience, you know? Cause like 
that group of people that was your girls, you know, like suddenly have no relationship to what it feels like to have a toddler and you're tired all the time, you know? And then that becomes scary because that feels like some type of loneliness you can catch. And it's like, I don't understand why we sometimes think caring for people puts on the negative to us. I think sharing in someone's pain also allows us to share in their joy in even better ways, in my opinion. Yeah, there's definitely a, uh, there's a theory behind that. I don't know what it's called. I'll look it up and share it with y'all somehow, some way. But there, people create friendships. Like people create connections around trauma and they connect like around negative experiences and around like, trials and tribulations they had to go through together like nine out of ten close friendships are actually made that way i dare say you know as a and i i have a i have feelings about this i think that we should be able to connect with people like over like positive experiences not negative ones but i i also am very interested in why human beings like connect so deeply with other human beings around the negatives in life around trauma around painful moments um which i'm sure like on a much deeper level you just have this deeper connection because that's just a hard thing to talk about and if somebody can like meet you in that exact same space and not judge you then absolutely you probably feel a connection with them and then just by default like if that experience was that traumatic for you then that means it was it's extremely important to your identity Mm -hmm. so if you meet somebody else that shares that experience or shares that trauma then you feel like you share identities as well. So I absolutely understand it. But I also think that like we can do a little bit of a better job around connecting around the positives in life, which um, I think equally impact like how lonely you feel and when you're able to reach out to people and express that. I agree with you. I think that you and I keep coming back and crossing over and thinking forward and thinking back. And there's just so many ways that this pops up in our lives as queer people. So we can kind of leave folks on a note that maybe is at least some pseudo tangible things. When you've been feeling lonely, what are some things that you do or wish you could do to kind of move past that or get into a better space? I feel like tip number one, masturbation. Yeah. Tip number two, say it. Fucking say out loud to yourself and your mirror and to your friends and to your mom and whoever will listen to you. Hey, babe, I'm fucking lonely. And honestly, if you want to masturbate and yell that at the same time into the mirror, I promise you it'll do you wonders. I can't come unless I do that. <laughs> same, sis. Same. Oh, my God. All right. T- tip number three. What's something else? Um, don't run from your loneliness. Mm-hmm. Embrace it. It's okay. I read something weird that I don't know if I fully agree with it, but I'm kind of on board where it was like, treat loneliness like an old friend that's come to visit. And like, maybe this friend doesn't always bring you the best gifts, but there's things to learn from them. I like that. Yeah, I'm not. But also like, fuck that friend. Bring me gifts. I don't want to learn shit from you today. (laughs) Ma'am, this pie is burnt. Where are my gifts? You know, my love language is receiving gifts and... Um, oh, it is? It is. Like, it's, it's getting gifts and leaving me the fuck alone. Okay. So if you do both of those things, I'm probably going to love you. I'll think about it. Yeah. You do that. Um, another thing that I was thinking about was, like, uh, creative projects. And that doesn't have to be full-blown projects. It could just be 
like writing in a journal or doing a watercolor or twisting some pipe cleaners together and calling it a caterpillar, you know. Don't come from my art. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, creative projects don't have to be art, right? So, but it's like something about using the other side of your brain that isn't as critical can, can kind of unlock a little bit some of that rigid thinking that loneliness brings. My final tip is get a pet. <laughs> Whether it's a fish or a bird or a dog or a cat or an iguana or a crocodile or I'm not even going to say tiger because I'm over it or a salamander. If you didn't have blue what would your be like fantasy emotional support animal be? Uh, probably a turtle. Oh, that's cute. I saw this diagram today that was like turtles aren't in their shells, they are their shells. <gasps> they are. Yeah. I feel like mine would be Falcor. From from Star Fox? Oh, that's good too. Um, <laughs> No, uh, Falcor is uh, the, like, flying dog dragon from NeverEnding Story. You? Okay, so get this. I, like, turned on my TV the other day. I have a fire, an Amazon fire stick. And the first thing that came up was the NeverEnding Story, and that was yesterday. So it's funny you're bringing that up today, and then you're mentioning Falcor, because Falcor was the shit. The shit. He was, what was he, like, a snake dog? Like, a dragon snake dog. So many animals just mashed into one, but basically just a big old puppet to sit on. Was that movie gay? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. For the pop talk... For the pop culture segment. Yes, exactly. Um, And what about it? I could ask you what you want to talk about, but I feel like if I counted to three, we would both say the same thing at the same time. Do you want to do it? Okay, one, two, three. Savage Remix. Savage Remix. Yeah, it wasn't at the same time, but it worked. We knew. We were in each other's heads. We knew. We knew. Um, Tell me (laughs) about the most beautiful gift we got this week. It brought actual joy to my life. Absolutely. As soon as I got that text message from you. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, 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 oh. And I was literally in the middle of an email and I said, I don't care. (laughs) I got up, got my, uh, I got my phone, opened up Spotify, linked to my sound system, put it on full blast in the middle of the day, did not care who was still asleep. No. Um... And I you listened said, to Beyonce talk about OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. You said, sorry, work, I'm on demon time. Yeah. You know, um, who, you know who will get me fired and I'd be okay with it? Beyonce. Yeah, sure. I mean, like, an honor, really. Yeah. Um, it was so good. And it was so good because it was, for the first time in such a long time, you can't see this audience, but I'm, like, slamming my knee. I've actually just hurt myself. <laughs> but I'm so excited because it is the first time in such a long time that we're given an actual remix. Like, that song... How did Beyonce offer us this thing where we are actually like tired of this fucking song? Like if I open one more video and the Savage Remix is playing and I see like little white girls like rubbing their little booties or whatever, like I'm I annoyed. know. And I, I love know. Megan Thee Stallion. I love that EP. You and I talk about it often. And Beyonce comes in and is like, 
okay, we're going to actually remix it. Like full, remember the 90s when we fully remixed songs? We yeah. We remixed this song. And some of the remix was just her being like, okay. And you're like, okay, <laughs> this song. Honestly, <laughs> favorite part is that chorus. Just, okay. I yeah. was like, yes, girl, you, you've improved this song. Not that it was a bad song. No. Point, it was just, it was getting a little played out. Mm-hmm. Um, And as Beyonce does, she up-leveled the entire thing. Like. Yeah. And like, I'm um, good for fucking Megan. Like, if anyone deserves it, you know, she for sure does. I'm still, I'm still kind of waiting for like Rico Nasty, which a Rico Nasty and Rihanna song would be incredible. I don't know if you feel uh, the same way, but I think that that would be fucking amazing. They'd be talking about money, bad bitch shit, just sure. like doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Do you know what would be fucking hilarious if, if Rihanna released this seven-year-old song and did like, Bitch Better Have My Money remix with Rico Nasty. Like, just like fucking like making money. Like, today she was like, I heard Savage was trending. Here's another collection, which just like, I'm not even mad at her at this point. That's what she deserves. She deserves to just sit there and make money and like pose and be cute because she is living the life of that video that she did with um, Shakira, the, can't remember to forget. Oh, hip. No, not hips don't lie. No. Um, beautiful liar. Beautiful. No, liar. that's the one with Beyonce. This is like oh, can't remember wait. to forget you. Shakira and Rihanna. Yes, girl. Go home. Do your homework. This is pre homework for this week. Is to go watch the can't remember to forget you video. It is so sexy. It's Rihanna and Shakira kind of just like smoking cigars, sitting by. Oh, a pool I remember this. Lingerie. Now. It's I remember incredible. Anyway, what I'm saying is that Rihanna is living that life right now. And Beyonce has given us this gift of this song, Hips TikTok When I Dance, is such a good line. It's such a good line. And it's, it's like spooky how she says it too. It's like, how does she make something so sexy, so spooky? The only thing I don't like about it is the crossword line. That is stupid. <laughs> That's I don't cross words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a dumb line. She's just <laughs> trying to rhyme. But I'll give her one dumb line for something that is highly elevated, highly amazing. Okay. Yes. She said, what did she say? She said, she don't argue with bitches. She just raised her price. I was like. She does. I mean, teach us. You're, you're giving us the playbook right now to life. <laughs> For Megan to be able to have a Nicki feature and a Beyonce feature and doesn't even have an album out yet. Like, I mean, a, a debut. She has like these, what she calls like mixtapes or whatever. Like, they're incredible. I love her. I'm so happy for her. Speaking of Nicki Minaj, I see you have this uh, Say So remix. I didn't know that was the thing. When did that happen? Like seven minutes ago. Oh. <laughs> um, I th- I, okay. The problem sometimes with Twitter is... There's so many like fake remixes. I don't actually know what happens, but I think I heard the accurate say so remix. And Nicki Minaj talks about being a cum dump, which good for her. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Same sis. Yeah, <laughs> no, the, maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Did you say that? Who's um, that? Who I is she? <laughs> um, no, I, it's great. I think I liked it. The problem, though, is that different from the Savage remix, it's the same song with a Nicki verse, which isn't bad. But I honestly feel maybe a little bit more annoyed by Say So right now than I do Savage, at least at this point in time. Potentially. Because, I of, mean, I, because of TikTok? Yeah, I just hear it all the time. And like that, I mean, I, it's also my own fault. There was a solid week where I just like, whenever I trick the dog and I walk, listen to it on repeat and it's just like great walking music you just feel powerful and in a time when power is taken away from me i am loving it um and you know as per the first episode i loved that xanax and say so remix that some faggot did but anyway say so remix happened you'll listen to it after this 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go listen to it. But I agree. A remix that's like an actual new song is always, usually, better than the same song with just an added verse. It hasn't happened in so long. It was... And it came out of nowhere. Like, I was just scrolling and I saw Crystal be like, oh my God, Beyonce. And I was like, well, that means a song's out. So I went scourging the internet and I was just like, and it's on Spotify. I'm winning. <laughs> Crystal let everybody know about it. I feel like she told everybody. My friends were like, oh my God, look at this tweet from Crystal. And I was like, I already have been listening. <laughs> because you know she only has one Google alert and it's Beyonce. <laughs> I need to do that. Why have I not, why have I not done that yet? Well, because there's too much. People are always talking about Beyonce, and Beyonce only does one thing every four months. You know, like, it's too much. But let me tell you, it's always right on time. Apparently, every four months, we need it. <laughs> She's not wrong. Apparently, the world is ending every four months, so... <laughs> oh, God. That's our reality now. No, this is the uplifting segment. Okay, Beyonce adjacent, <laughs> Miss Kelly Rowland. Tell me what you feel. Let me tell you something. I don't know how I stumbled across this coffee song, but... When I did, I tripped, fell, and didn't want to get back up. It it's was a bad. beautiful video. It's a The video, video is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. I think, was I just on Spotify? Oh, you know what? I was just on Spotify, and I said, oh, look, Kelly Rowland has a new song. Mm -hmm. um, Listen to it was like, I'm vibing with it. Very sexy. Very, you know, you and your significant other or some hoe. <laughs> Just in the bed. And then I watched the video and was like, oh, I'm just, I'm in love with this song. It's gorgeous. I all about it. I mean, those skin tones against that blue sky. Ugh. And I don't know who the director was, but they know how to shoot Black people. And that is something I cannot, like, speak enough about, is knowing how to shoot Black skin against the right textures and backgrounds is a skill and an art. You can't just do the same thing you do for any other race. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say about it. I have honestly only heard about like a minute and a half of it. Um, just well, that's like... about how long it is. <laughs> okay, all right, then that's fair. Maybe I did see the whole thing, but it was gorgeous. It was so beautiful. She's like on horses and shit, right? Yeah, she's on horses yeah. and shit with her nipples out. I said, okay, uh -huh. Kelly, you better give it to me with this, with these nipples and these yeah. breasts. We got, um, we got lemonade, coffee. Michelle's going to give us like communion wine or something. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's, it's going to happen soon. It has to. Oh, you think we'll get like a, I'm not even going to say that. We're not even going to go there. Mm -mm. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to jinx it because <laughs> I will. No, no reason to. No reason to. Um, other music, just to like stay on topic for music. This is evidently on music segment. Have yeah. you been listening to Miss Rina Sawayama? Um, no, you have sent me her name and I saw the album on my um, Spotify, which is what I use to listen to everything. Same. And thought, hmm, I should listen to this mm -hmm. and I didn't, but I will. Well, I mean, I have felt the same thing. Like I've been hearing of this person for so long and I've been seeing that beautiful, gorgeous cover, that makeup, the angles, all of it. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's, it's future. It's so good. Like House Labs could never. And she's being gorgeous and great and I've been really excited about it and just visually seeing it but I never really did a listen and especially the first half is just back to back to back bops and it's different from this kind of like disco doula peep thing we got like kind of like this heavy metal kind of thing happening it really plays with a lot of different genres and it does that thing sort of that like Gwen Stefani was trying to do with like props as people but she's actually Japanese so <laughs> this Rina is killing it um and then there's this one song called Asa uh fuck 
Akasaka Sad. It's called Akasaka Sad. And um, oh. and she just has this like chant in it. It's like so low and mumbly and just like it gets in my head. I like haven't stopped thinking about it. And the excess song is just like, give me just a little bit more. Get a little, uh, yes, yes. Oh me, oh my. Oh. You know, like when it, when you listen to it, you're going to be like, that was perfect. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's so, it's infectious. And it's just like in this realm of music right now, we have like Dula Peep, new Beyonce, we have Gaga down the road, we've got like Doja on, you know, what she's doing. And then Miss Rena is just like, I don't know, it just, it sounds fresh. It sounds, it sounds like actually something to get excited about. I just, I love it. I think it's so good. You had me up until rock metal, hard metal, whatever yeah, you I think if you hear it or see it, it will click differently than, I mean, maybe it won't. That is one of, it's a very eclectic album. Like it, it holds multiple genres in it. And then there is some like, kind of like angsty kind of, I don't know. It just, it's, it's fun. It's great. Okay. I think if, if you have a little bit of anger, especially a little bit of anger toward cultural appropriation, like she lets that out. It's good. Nice. Okay. Well then I will definitely give it a listen when I'm cleaning my home. <laughs> one of these billions of days. <laughs> I, clean my, I clean my house like every day. <laughs> That is great. It's actually kind of soothing. It's like meditation in a way. I, I absolutely believe that. I think it's like this outward expression of taking time and taking care. And yeah, I'm not as good at it. I am definitely better about it in this time of like germs. I mean, not me, but like other germs. <laughs> um, um, let's talk about, oh, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about... Um, the Midnight Gospel on Netflix. Oh, you go first. How amazing is that show? It's so for those of you listening, it is a um, animated show um, from the creator of Adventure Time. If you are familiar with Adventure Time on um, Cartoon Network from back in the day. Um, also, Adventure Time is coming back on HBO Max for like three or four specials. That's so, cute. That's the thing. Um, I'm excited for that. But uh, forget the person's name. So Pendleton Ward. There you go. Pendleton Ward um, created it. And it is this just psychedelic, futuristic, just out of, literally out of this world, like animated series that tackles like the things I want to tackle on this show, to be honest, <laughs> like, you know, everything from death to meditation, to just consciousness, to magic, to, I don't know, just like all these amazing things that just kind of make up the universe. Just these little small moments, these giant moments, this, this just connected like fiber and thread that we all have um, yeah. to the universe. It talks about all of it in such a, like a fun quirky um but it's like a curious way but uh i don't know it's interesting and it used to is it a podcast it was a podcast it's a podcast yeah and it's genuinely beautiful and insightful like i just found myself at moments the coolest part about this is that so you have this podcast thing that evidently has been going on for years and years i've never i've never listened to it but i don't listen to a lot of straight men and (laughs) so he's so i mean that's not my fault and (laughs) 
so this has been going on for a while and basically he started talking with Pendleton Ward. I was reading something earlier this week, like seven years ago. He was like, I think that we could do something here. And so they've cut segments of his podcast and then obviously refilmed and re-recorded some things to fit the narrative of the show, which is like sometimes violent, sometimes insane kind of alien. Yeah psychedelic stuff that's the backdrop while this foreground of just beautiful conversation is piercing into your brain and heart and i have watched it stony and then i've also rewatched it a little more sober and it still resonates like i found myself i'm just a full disciple of midnight gospel evidently like i just um the way that it talks about spirituality was really interesting to me and thinking about some of the more kind of spiritual, less religious stuff, and then still using a Western ideology of like Jesus and Christianity to explain it, but not, not trying to like diminish it or make direct comparisons. It's just like, yo Americans, this is kind of what you know. So think about it in this way. And Mm. it, it's definitely a show that reframes your thinking on a lot of things. Yes. And still has like laughter in it. Obviously it's really goofy, but Mm -hmm. it it disarms you to allow you to accept that thing because you know that if it was just a sit down interview, like of these two people, I mean, obviously the podcast has a big following, but not, I mean, we didn't know about it. And so it already exists as one type of art and it has been, now it's a remix (laughs) it's a remix it's (laughs) remixed in this adventure time thing and it just i loved it i told spencer i was like it's the art like i wish that i was talented enough to make like it was just so amazing yeah i love that you brought up how it uh it disarms you i feel like it is absolutely a show that you're watching and you're thinking what is this like what is going on and at the same time, they're talking about all these just insanely deep topics, right? Like I said, death, for instance, is one of the, it's like, there's, an, there's plenty of episodes about death. Yeah. Um, the very last episode of this season. With I his mom. Oh, it took me out. I... Um, not going to ruin anything. But just their conversation is such a, it's a hard conversation. And it goes to a really, I mean, to a deep place, to like what some would consider a dark place, but also a place of like, this doesn't have to be that dark. Yeah. Um, and the whole time you're kind of just watching again, this fantastical animated show that's disarmed you into like listening to what people are talking about while all these crazy things are going on on the screen. You're just like, what am I watching? But this is also really important at the same time. And I'm so sorry. I don't know. I found- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Tequila. I was definitely just, I don't know, I was blown away by it for sure. And I, the animation style will immediately remind you of Adventure Time, but I'm also happy you brought up the violence because it reminds me of, there was a show on Adult Swim called Super Jail. Um, Oh, yeah. It's very similar to that too. Oh my God. That is exact. Wow. Thank you. I feel dumb that I didn't fucking recognize Super Jail in it. It's very (laughs) Super Jail. Oh, that's really cool. I think it, I don't think that we as Americans, especially in this time of individualism, and yeah, we're trying to challenge that a little bit in the time of COVID of like, for the first time in your life, think about your neighbors. But the challenge of ego death, the, the encouragement of letting go of this idea that you're fucking original, is like... (laughs) It hurts. And I love that instead of framing it as this kind of like simply 
for lack of many better words, kind of hippy-dippy, like we've jumped into joyfulness, it explains the pain of enlightenment. It explains the pain of jumping into a collective consciousness because that hurts. It hurts to say that I have lived my entire life thinking that I am important. Mm -hmm. And it is simultaneously empowering and sad that that's not true. And I love that it also does says like, but don't go to this nihilist place of nothing matters. That's not what it's saying. It's that like, we all matter because we're nothing. And like, yeah, even if you're not someone who believes that, I think that this is a really great show to just think about stuff in general. Like, I don't even know, as someone who grew up in the church and then kind of swung really hard the other way into like, well, nothing's real. I honestly have always had a little bit of a hard time not believing in anything. And I think what I've sort of succumbed to the most is like, as a human being, I'm not meant to, and that's okay. But what I will do is like recognize other people matter, the earth matters, the solar system matters. Like there's some sort of connection or energy or something that like, it's not my job to explain. And I think people who have sort of made it their jobs and made it their life mission, bring in these really beautiful conversations to this like stony acid bro has a podcast. It's very cute. Very good. We can move on. I'm so sorry, but I'm I'm glad you, I'm glad you loved it as much as me because I'm obsessed with it. I, everybody please go check it out. Just give it like one or two episodes, Mm -hmm. give it like the first episode so you can just like settle into it. Um, And then not because it's like, it's not bad or anything. Mm-hmm. I think that it can be, if you're not familiar with this animation style yeah. and also just with like the topics they're going to be talking about, mm-hmm. it might be a bit jarring or it might be a bit like, whoa, yeah. what am I watching right now? Yeah. Settle in on the first episode. By the second episode, you're you're definitely sold and in, yeah. in it deep. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. We don't have to do anymore. I'm glad. I'm that It makes me happy that... Um, other people are enjoying it. And I know I skipped over it because it kind of came out on 420 and advertised itself as this like stony show. I was like, I don't need a stony cartoon. That looks stupid. But once I got into it, I was like, oh my God, this is easily top 10 favorite shows that's come out in so long. I love it. Um, What else do you want to talk about? Well, other Netflix show, what do you think about Black AF? This is funny because it is sitting here on this list and I, it's like- We don't have to talk about it. (laughs) We can talk about it. It's like my eyes jumped over it. It's also, it's just, that show is a lot. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. It's so weird. We could go so many directions with it. I Mm -hmm. think my only piece to state on it and hey, if y'all have thoughts on it, let us know. I want to hear from y'all if you've watched this show. Um, I'm not going to promote it. It's on Netflix. It's a show. <clears throat> Same guy that made Blackish and Mixedish and Grownish and everything else with an ish attached to it. Um, they're all the same show. They're all essentially the same show. This show, Black AF, is basically the same thing as that, just for Netflix, right? So instead of it being on ABC, where it has to be a sitcom that's family-friendly... Yeah, you they know, can curse. They can cuss now, right? Yeah. So it's it's just picture Blackish on Netflix. Um, actually, this is what I this is what I realize it is. It is a mix of Blackish meets a very very watered down version of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, meets a not as 
impactful and funny and just like weird version of Arrested Development. It's mm-hmm. like a little bit of all of those things, but it doesn't do any of them well. So mm. you get this, you get this show that just feels like it's trying to be something and trying to have a point and trying to say something about the black experience, but all it really does is <clears throat> shows you this man who has a lot of money and I don't know, has almost in a way whitewashed himself. I dare say, I mean, sue me. I, that's mm-hmm. what it comes off as. And I mean, mm-hmm. I get that Rashi- Rashida Jones is great in the show. She's if there's somebody great. I'm going to applaud is R- Rashida Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the colorism attached to the show as well, like Rashida Jones is mixed. She is black, right? She does not uh, look black to a lot of people. I think I... I think I was in my 20s when I realized Rashida Jones was like... Yeah, I, like, learned she was Black. Yeah, and I think there's a lot... That that in and of itself is a topic and a whole episode that they could have covered, and they kind Hands of down. didn't say anything about it. I mean, I think she had, like, a couple of lines towards the back-end episodes about it, and I was mm-hmm. just like, what a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. If you're going to cast this woman as the wife, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's her, it's just, you know, it gets into this whole light skin dark skin why is everybody in this family light skin like it just it's a thing that netflix and the media needs to figure out for itself because it's not the first time it's happened i mean that other show uh that michael b jordan produces about the superhero oh um finding somebody that little kid oh and they put that lighter skinned woman yeah yeah it's just like come on like we don't need this fucking Lupita Nyong'o's killing it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, and I get that there's also a wide variety of black skin tones, but it's just the fact that it always seems to like, like leaned light skinned and super light bright is just, it gets really annoying after a while. So that's all I'm going to say about that show because I actually mm. don't really want to promote it because it's not actually worth anybody's time for real, mm. for real. Mm. Yeah, it sucks to me that like the, um, I don't remember what the name of that show is either, but the one about the kid with the superpowers, like, it sucks that I think it it got set up as don't watch this because they cast a lighter skin actor. And it sucks because it was kind of a really cute show. And it, I, I, I understand the criticism, especially because that woman who was in that promo thing that inspired it did great. I don't know why they didn't just cast her. Like that was poor decision. But the execution of what they had, like it's a really cute show about a little black kid with powers. Like it's really sweet. But Black AF, uh, I watched it and I was mostly like, I don't think I get this all the time but it's also not for me and at the same time it felt like it was supposed to be for me which was the weirdness of it i was like this feels like a show that's about black people but made for white people but also for black people who have friends with white people like i couldn't figure it out and then i mostly just stopped and was like this isn't about me this isn't for me (laughs) but it it felt sad that it wasn't good because i really like blackish yeah and that's also sort of the I remember when Blackish first came out and also having, I feel like the reverse of what you were feeling probably watching Black AF, which was, I feel like I'm supposed to support this show, but yeah, I sure. also feel like this show is for white people so that they can learn about Black culture because, oh, yeah. you know, it's like the things they're talking about, sure, like, please learn about the Black experience. It, it, mm-hmm. it helps everybody. Yeah. So learn about it. It just... I can't put my finger on it. It's almost, it's- Well, it's they have like, a literal boardroom where pretty much any black issue that goes on, they like have to explain it by Anthony going to the 
other white people who are ignorant and he like gives them a lesson and it's a good it's a good tactic for a show especially for a show that's on mainstream media it it does feel a little um i don't know like behind the times and some messaging because it is starting from well we are talking to the dumbest fucking white people on the planet and that sucks and i i feel like though as it's gone on it's gotten better about not catering to that eye as much i could be totally wrong though no, I agree. I mean, I haven't watched Blackish in probably, well, no, probably not this season, but I watched every, I watched most other seasons and I agree. I think they've gotten better as the years have gone on at like not making it this, like, this is the word like pandering to white people. Maybe yeah. not that. Maybe that's what it is. It's just the show initially started off as something that, oh, this is meant for me. Oh, wait, this isn't meant for me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also yeah. like, I guess it's supposed to be for me to watch. And yeah. I feel like with Black AF, because they could, you know, go to a, you know, to the level of cursing and talking about, you know, inappropriate things. And it can be rated like TVMA or TV PG-13 or whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're, it's like they're just trying to do blackish, but that, but they just miss the mark because it's also trying to be too many other things at the same time. I will say the parts that I chuckled at the most are the parts, the things that actually talk about like their family dynamics. Like none of the race stuff really made me laugh. None of the race stuff that I feel, I, that I personally feel like was like, oh yeah, I'm really happy we're talking about this, right? It's very much so stuff that's like, I, I know this. So if this is meant for white people, sure, I guess you're teaching them something right now the family dynamics of like the kids with the parents and how the parents feel about the kids and how the parents feel about each other. Like that stuff is actually really funny. Right. Only because like, they're all like assholes to each other. So it's just like this hilarious, it's, it's like, it's trying to be arrested development as well, but just also not done as well. It's like, they also just come off as being assholes to each other instead of truly funny. Yeah. I mean, in quarantine, we have enough time to watch anything. So it's like, it's not completely worthless. I don't think I do. It's not my grade to give, but I do hear you. And then it sort of misses some marks. I got sent this podcast this week called Fanti. And it's Jarrett Hill and Travell Anderson. And they're two Black queer people that just kind of do pop culture. They do whatever. But what I got sent was this episode about gospel music. And while I did not growing up to grow up going to black church my mother loves gospel music which is like a whole other concept in so that's all whatever but they do this really beautiful episode about like the pain in loving something that also excludes you um and it's just a great beautiful episode about gospel music it's fanti podcast they also just released this episode about rupaul which kind of sums up a lot of the reasons about why i don't really want to talk a whole lot about him on this show (laughs) so i'm just going to direct you to them um but the concept fanti is like we're both a fan and anti something so it holds duality in what they're talking about and i never heard of it yeah and so everything is kind of offering of like here's why we love something but also fuck this shit about that thing it's very cute. I have no idea how long it's been going on. I feel like the minute that I started doing a podcast, I now have 900 other things that I'm really interested in. But this <sighs> was sent to me by a friend, and I feel very grateful for it. It was very, very beautiful. You can make all the podcasts you want, Maddie. Okay. Well, we'll have a spinoff of the spinoff, like yeah. Blackish. <laughs> <laughs> Just put an ish at the end of everything. Oh, my God. That's, that's cultural appropriation on my end. <laughs> um, have you watched Little Fires Everywhere? 
Uh, I have not. So let's okay. so let's save that. Let's save her. We'll talk about it. Speaking of little fires, did you listen to that Britney Spears video of her talking about her gym burning down? <laughs> it is fucking insane. <laughs> I'm playing it. Guys, I'm in my gym right now. I haven't been in here for like six months because I burnt my gym down, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, I had two candles and yeah, one thing led to another, and I burned it down. One thing so, led to another, and I burned it down. Um, <laughs> that, I, like, the way she just kind of casually looks inside and is like, one thing led to another. Unfortunately. Like, yeah. Girl! <laughs> I haven't been in here in six months because, unfortunately, I um, burned my gym uh, down. And she's just swaying the whole time. I, I don't even want to talk about Britney Yeah, I... It's like, it's just, like, so sad, honestly. But I love her, and I love that she has decided... I'm not going to fucking give you a tour because I'm going through a separation from my dad, who's an evil manager, and I have not been working on my mental health my entire career. So <laughs> going to take a minute. But in the meantime, here's some sped up videos of me doing yoga or whatever. Like, it's wild. But <laughs> I um, I appreciate that. But the the that fire video, I mean, she's been kind of like getting passed around. Our friends um, at Move I'm Gay, they like talk about a Britney segment every week. But I could not not <laughs> mention this burn down video. It's just like, it's so wild. It's so wild. <laughs> it's the content we need. And um, one thing led to another. So um, anyway, <laughs> it's <laughs> it so crazy. Did you watch that We're Here on HBO? I did and I boohoo cried. Okay. The whole time. Well, not okay. the well, for a good majority of it. It was, it was so sweet. It was a very sweet show. Yeah. I thought it was definitely going to be like uh, Queer Eye, but on HBO with drag queens. And yeah. it's not that at all. Yeah. If that's what you think it is, it's not. It's mm -hmm. actually something I think is much sweeter and nicer and has a lot, like even more heart to it, honestly. Yeah. We have only seen one episode, so I don't know how much this is going to go. Like, or I mean, like where this can go. And mm -hmm. I don't want to speak too soon if it takes a hard left or something but at least in this first episode you know i was really reluctant i fucking hate eureka and that is my own cross to bear i guess like she just um she's done some really stupid shit and i've never really found the forgiveness to be something other than or the um offering of sorry to be something other than like i'm sorry i got in trouble which i don't know her i have no idea i could be wrong anyway but that's like my feeling going into the show she said nigga right oh yeah like a she, lot of times right yeah but so that was like before drag race and then she got on drag race and then treated the black indestants weird and like yeah big, all of Vixen's shit was mostly directed at eureka like and for good you reason can, she was, you can work on forgiveness for that but we don't fuck with people who say who we don't fuck with white people we don't fuck with people who aren't black who <laughs> say uh well i can say it who say nigga, like, mm -hmm. or nigger, or any other oh. form of that word. We can bleep that out, <laughs> that last one. What? But, no. I mean, it's yours. Um, so, no, fuck him. Yeah. She, them. Uh, like, mm-mm. <laughs> uh, but all of that to say, I feel like Shangela and Bob are amazing. And Eureka does some good work with white trash people, which is like maybe the type of person that can connect with her. You know what I mean? Like that is maybe where she can be useful is like being like, come on, baby. I know this like political shit's hard, but like, let's go be fat and gay and whatever together. Like I'll put you in some makeup. You are a really good Eureka impression. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. But um, <laughs> no, it, she just Fanti. is like, anti. Um, <laughs> The main thing that I want to say that I think makes it different from Queer Eye is Queer Eye rolls into a town and is like, 
let's show these people that we are worthy of being seen. Let's show these people that they that we are so kind and nice and fun and good that we're deserving of their love because at the end of the day, we're all the same, which isn't exactly what it is. It's a little bit more live your truth kind of, but like when they roll up into Trump country, I don't ever get that the um, respect that we're supposed to offer them is earned. At least on this first episode, what we see is apology. We see ownership and we see um, accountability in a way that I like, I don't want to think that people are not worthy of forgiveness, but you have to fucking ask for it. You have to say, I did this fucked up thing and you have to mean it. And that to me is a better way to a road to togetherness or like Dolly Parton rainbow land or whatever. Like that is a very different thing than being like, well, don't hate me because I voted for Trump. It's like, well, yeah, I will. (laughs) (laughs) I I won't. If you apologize, maybe like we can have that conversation for a while or we won't, but like that is different than someone being like, I'm very sorry for the way that I have treated you and other folks in this community because of my own shit. And here I am owning it publicly. I'm not trying to hide it or run away from it. I'm ready to move into a space of acceptance and love, which this community at times has a lot to offer. I think earlier in this episode, we talked about how, especially the white gay community doesn't always offer that. Shangela, I just, Shangela, if you ever listen to this show, I stand and I stand hard. (laughs) Like, I really love Shangela and she was fucking jib. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that is whatever. I feel like she did amazing. I, I think that that show does its uh, Queens of Color wrong a lot and then tries to make up for it in other weird ways yeah. later and then it feels like a weird token. But you know what? It's fine because Bob, Shangela, Monet, they're all thriving and doing fine right they're now. Beautiful and great. Yeah. And they're, mm-hmm. that's all I care about. True. <laughs> um, I do think that things like this can be important though and um, it sucks because it puts in this weird light of when people watch stuff like this, they assume there is a level of like political advancement further than I think that we are. I mean, right now we have Trump administration trying to roll back healthcare non-discrimination laws so that doctors can refuse healthcare to trans people. Like that's happening right now this week. And because we saw some UFOs, which like that was cool. But because we saw some UFOs and because COVID's happening and because this person is you know, in front of the country being an idiot full time, things like this can get forgotten. And then when we have shows like the drag races and the secret celebrity quote drag races and the we're here's and things like Shit's Creek, when we have such visibility of queerness in quotes, sometimes it's mostly just gayness, but we can forget that that is not really actually where this country is, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. And also it is right like if you read between the lines of what's on television and what's happening in pop culture i mean to your point it's mostly gay right so like maybe america's getting to a point where it accepts gay people but accepting gay people doesn't mean that you accept trans people you know so it's it's (laughs) that's sad it's not the same, right? So I think that you do have a point. Like, we have We're Here. We have RuPaul's Drag Race. We have those shows, but those shows are still very much so tied to 
gay culture and gay community a little bit more than they are the other things. I say that they don't touch like other parts of the queer experience, but I'm saying that when you really look at it, like most times on RuPaul's Drag Race, when they take their, you know, when they dress as boys, quote unquote, they're actually boys, right? Like they're gay, like they're not trans nine times out of 10. So I feel like when you read between the lines and you look at Schitt's Creek, even in your example, right? Like maybe that's talking a little bit about gender fluidity or talking about being bi or about, you know, being gay, who knows, like, but there's not a obviously they're not attaching a label to it, but it's still, still excluding a certain subset of the queer community, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that when you read between those lines, you really see that, like, yeah, America still doesn't really, like, give a shit about trans people and it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that that, yeah, I don't know, it's hard for me to not hold great like pause and sadness there because like that isn't something to like gloss over and also i think that that is just like you know our jobs to be loud and angry about it and one way to be loud and angry about it is get involved in local politics like especially if this presidential election feels out of reach or it feels hard to engage with i mean on last week's episode we talked about our options like that is a disappointing set of options right but the thing is is that like if federal non-discrimination stuff gets rolled back at your local level your city or state can sometimes protect those things or keep them protected you know and so politics in general obviously can feel very disconnected it can feel uh disheartening it can feel x y and z you know but there is something empowering at times of getting involved in local politics and i don't know i feel like as we're transitioning out I was able to have like a brief conversation with my friend Candace, um, who is running for um, the city commissioner seat one, um, position one. Um, she is going up against some big contenders, um, but has been written about a lot in really positive ways because she's young, she's mixed race, she has like been on police accountability um, committee put put forward by um, Joanne Hardesty and is like doing some of that work but really has a big vision for how to rebuild after COVID and like thinking about the ways that the city commissioner um, seats in our city council doesn't really serve Portlanders outside of the certain metro area or outside of a certain tax bracket. Like, so we talked a lot. I don't know if we're gonna be able to air all of what we had to talk about, but there was one section that I thought was really helpful and important. So if you, um, most everyone in Portland just got their ballots. Did you get your ballot, Sean? Maybe. I haven't checked my mail in like a couple of days. Yeah, I think it, I think it just came like yesterday or today, but the voting guides came out like last week. Fuck Mayor Ted Wheeler. Do not vote for Mayor Ted Wheeler. I feel, um, there are two amazing women on the ballot. Ted Wheeler needs to fucking go. Um, and then our city commissioner seats and city council seats are just as important. So, do some research, read about it, think about it. And um, thank you so much to our friend Candace, who gave us a little chat and offered some insight into some of these issues. And um, shout out to her. I know she just um, also recently lost her grandfather, which really sucks. So um, I'm just really grateful that she was able to take some time with us. Let's listen. There's been a lot of talk recently both with Joanne Hardesty's seat and then also just uh, kind of nationally about the conversation where police maybe should not be first responders <laughs> in terms of mental health crisis. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know if I have a question about that, but what does that make you think about? Mm -hmm. You know, I, when I think about the police and how they need to be engaging with that, that is a really complex situation that you cannot answer with handcuffs in a jail cell. Absolutely yeah. not. And, you know, we, you and I, we both work in this world of like mental health or support and, and um, social services and things like that. And we understand like trauma informed care. And we understand, you know, the complexities of what leads people to be in these situations. And I don't think our, our police not only, I'm not saying they don't care about it. Um, I mean, I think people could have different opinions about that. I don't want to just say blanketly that they don't care, but I think that they don't have the tools and they're not really designed to do that. And yeah. so, for example, Joanne Hardesty is putting together the street response, which should be hopefully launching soon. I'm not sure what the timeline is given COVID-19, um, but they're doing a pilot in the Lentz neighborhood. Um, and I really want to see that through. That's something that I'm keeping a close eye on because I think that's the answer. Um, how are you interfacing with people and giving them like, okay, tell us the situation and here's the different nets that we're going to, you know, open up for you, uh, the different links, right, that we're going to connect you to. <clears throat> and then we're going to respond in a way that's humane and compassionate. Um, and it's going to actually lead you to solutions because you put somebody in a jail cell and they, you're just pushing them further back into the cycle of poverty and abuse and trauma. And that is not going to, if we are serious about answering houselessness, we need to address it in a way that's going to be long-term productive, not just yeah. short-term, let's move people because more people are replacing them on the streets all the time. Mm -hmm. People are constantly living on the edge, especially now. So yeah. I have a lot of, you know, obviously I'm on this board, this board, we don't necessarily deal with those kinds of issues, right? We deal with like, here's a, a misconduct case and we have to make a ruling. And what makes it challenging for us is that we have a, to not get super into the details because it's kind of complex, but we have a, a standard of review that makes it so that we have to be deferential to the police officers in making our, our, our um, decisions. You know, we have to look at it like, what would a reasonable person looking at this evidence decide was the answer? And it's like, well, when you're an officer and you're making the first ruling that we're having to make the second ruling on, I don't, I'm not really, you're not really the reasonable person I'm looking for. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Right. So it's it's complicated, but we've been trying to change our standard of review because that is a huge barrier to us being able to say, like, this is wrong. And from a citizen's perspective, you need to understand, like, it's wrong to lie to a protester and tell them that they can't continue filming or they will get arrested. That is literally against the law. And if you're an officer enforcing the law, why are you breaking it? Yeah. You know what I mean? So. I have a lot of opinions about it, but that's kind of my, my gist. And I, 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 that's why I'm running, because I saw that there was not enough political will in City Hall. I was coming up with all of these barriers. And it's like, do you all actually want us to do what you're telling us we're supposed to do, or is this accountability theater? Is this an empty gesture that you've given us? I feel I, I, I'm coming from a Southern Christian school Southern Baptist upbringing. I was radicalized late. Like, you know, like I, I'm from I Virginia. Need, Hello. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. And yeah. we had different lived experiences. You know, yes. like yeah. I am. Um, you know, I am embarrassed about certain things, and I was radicalized mm -hmm. late. And in that, you know, it was not until I am on the streets with protesters and seeing what I always imagined 
in my Christian past of mm. fiction mm-hmm. of how police engage with people and mm-hmm. then in front of my eyes watching police lie watching police like yeah police brutalize watching poli- like that it changed my life and like it sucks mm-hmm. for me as a white person to kind of be like I was like changed by the fact that I had like, the project <laughs> like that's such bullshit but it also is true and both things can be true mm-hmm. and, absolutely um I didn't mean to make this about me. I'm excited by you. I'm excited by you. <laughs> no, your... no. You're not making it about me. I mean, I think, let me just say, like, I think it's really important that, you know, that's part of what politics is about. It's about learning the impact of decisions that are not only on yourself, but on other people yeah. and how you vote in a way that's going to protect people that aren't you. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you can't always be at the center of politics. Like, that's that's really, like, for me, you know, obviously, like, I am a woman. I am a person of color. I'm already, I'm already in these marginalized groups that you know yeah. I'm constantly battling. But even beyond that, there are privileges that I have, you know, and that how am I making sure that I'm not obsessing about everything being how it's going to fix me and my problems, making sure that I'm really taking into perspective how it affects everybody. I mean, that's that's good politics and that we don't have that right now. I mean, we've never really had it, but that's what I want to, I want to strive for. And that's what I teach my students. That's why I got involved in education because I was like, there's a route here and we can do, we can start that work in education by building good positive habits for how you care for your society. Thank you so much for um, taking the time to explain kind of where people might need some explanation and also offering some of that inspiration because especially in this time of isolation in this time of federal mishandling in this Mm -hmm. time of understatement (laughs) yeah in this in this time of that person mishandling greatly people's lives and uh all that shit you know we're trying to kind of blend those two things of joy and seriousness um Mm -hmm. that's kind of what the aim of this shitty podcast (laughs) is Um, (laughs) and i i think it's really important for you to be able to inspire some of that and i think when you have folks that don't have your experience in mind and folks that um need a little bit more elevating than they're able to give themselves at the moment like um you're able to speak to that in a way that I have not heard in a while. And it's really nice to be able to believe in something and also be able to believe in a friend. And I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Thank it's you. nice to see you. And it's nice to see your fucking smile. And it's nice to see that <laughs> you have one of the best Your smiles. listeners can't see it. but they can't see it. I'm so sad. But you have one of the best smiles. Um, thank you. Yes. But thank you so thank much. You. I love you so much. I love you too. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. And again, you know, this, these are the times where we need to come together and these are the opportunities to do that. So thanks for giving me that opportunity too. Hell yeah. You rock. Bye. I love you. And we're back. Let's take some meds. Let's do it. Some meds I took this week are a lot of movies from my childhood. Oh yeah. You mentioned that you might didn't talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I was watching, uh, Howl's Moving Castle, Death Becomes Her, um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, uh, The Never Ending Story, because we talked about it last time. Oh, um, Chromatica. I don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
either way, I was watching all these movies and I had an epiphany and it was all of these movies like impacted my my little gay adolescent self, like yeah. in some way, shape, or form. And also, all those movies were extremely gay, if you ask me. Um, I mean, Howl himself, I don't know. Like, Jury is still out, in my opinion. He's fancy. He is fancy, and he's gorgeous. So, <laughs> also that, the complete melt, literal meltdown that he had when his hair wasn't blonde anymore. I was just like, this is the gayest shit I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then Death Becomes Her, that's just a gay classic. Let's let's just say that. Truly. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, there's a documentary out about how gay this movie is and how it's the gayest horror movie ever made. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched the documentary yet, but I went back and watched Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and I agree. It's wild. <laughs> Um, Anthony Hudson or Carla Rossi, she does um, queer horror at the Hollywood theater. Mm-hmm. She played this one time and I had never seen it. And it like blew my mind at this horror film that is like <laughs> written around, uh, are you scared of being gay? Here's a scary movie about it. Like, it's so funny. I agree. And um, the other thing about all these movies is that like, I know we talked about loneliness a little bit earlier in the episode and all of these movies, like I said, I watched them when I was younger, you know, whether that's when I was a teenager, when I was just like a, like a kid, an actual kid. And I'm an only child, right? I've said this before. I don't know. Maybe I did. Uh, so I've spent a lot of time to my, I spent a lot of time to myself. And when I was a child, I spent a lot of time with myself, but I use a lot of that time uh, watching movies and I don't know, going back and revisiting these, it just, it filled my heart a little bit knowing that like these are the movies that kept me company when I was a kid because there was some solace I found in them, something that I found in them that like I identified with, like hardcore. Um, and I don't know, it just made me, it made me really happy to watch them as an adult and I was able to reminisce and think about how good they made me feel when I was a child as well. Mm-hmm. There is something, I just really identify with that. There's something really, strange as a queer person when you watch stuff that is like it's technically straight but it hits you in such a way that when you are older you're able to look back and be like oh this hit me because this kid's a little queer like and like um like when i was a kid i wasn't able to be like i love never ending story because they're faggots like it was like that's not what you think it's just like there's little boys who have feelings or there's little boys who like are a little bit like dramatic or something, you know, like, um, or, you know, you're watching something. You're just like, I don't know why, but I'm really into this gown she's wearing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like beauty and the beast. Oh my God. Belle's gown and the animated one. I'm (laughs) being a child and being like, I want that dress so bad. Yellow (laughs) would look great on you. Thanks. Thank you for sharing um, that. Um, yeah, what are you taking? What are your meds? What um, are you on? I am on a high of friendship and accountability, which like maybe Ooh. doesn't sound like something that would um, foster that in a lot of ways. But um, honestly, right as we sat down to record last time when we were talking about loneliness, I received a text from a friend that like really upset me. And it upset me because they basically were letting me know that's something I had said really pushed them into a space of discomfort and sadness. And um, I had to take ownership of the fact that sometimes when I am 
busy. And sometimes when I am wrapped up in my grad school, multiple jobs, this podcast kind of world, I don't take the time always to water my friendship plants, you know? And sometimes I can say really flippant things that can sometimes be praised or funny. But when I am being inconsiderate or not thinking about my friend's heart or like where they are in a situation, it fucking hurts and it stings. And like, you know, I'm a Scorpio. I don't really know what that means, but in some ways I'm like, my shit can sting sometimes. And I just felt so grateful that when this person was feeling this, they allowed some boundaries to be set. And then we had this conversation the next day and we talked for like an hour about how much we loved each other. And like, I don't know, it's not like I'm grateful that I said something fucking stupid. What I'm grateful for is the opportunity for forgiveness. I'm grateful for the opportunity to do better. I'm grateful for in this time when we don't get to see anyone, there is a call in to be like, you still got to take care of those around you. And maybe this ties into loneliness in some way. I don't know, you figure it out. But (laughs) I am just like, I found a lot of gratitude. And to me, gratitude is a practice of joy, you know, in just sitting with shit. Like I can be a bad friend sometimes. And that is not something I'm proud of. But what I am proud of is that I made a decision long ago to be friends with someone who offers grace and offers um, elevated learning and makes me a better person. So I just, I'm so grateful for that experience. Um, And hopefully, I don't know, if you're listening and maybe you haven't reached out to someone you care about, um, if the earlier conversation about loneliness didn't sort of foster that, like, just let a bitch know, you know? Because they want to know. They want to know. And it's a two-way street. Yes. <clears throat> Friendship, relationships across the board. It's not a surprise to anybody. You got to call people and they'll call you. Well, they should call you. So, And it's also something, you know, it's not a time necessarily to test those relationships, right? Like, it's not a time to be like, well, we had all the time in the world and I didn't hear from you for three months. Like, everyone's just trying to survive, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not something to necessarily hold as judgment. But, like, I think... If you feel that inkling and you have the capacity, do it. Say, I love you, you know? Yeah. And we're all, you know, it's rough times. We're all feeling it right now. So treat yourself with kindness and respect and treat others with kindness and respect, including your very, very, very close friends or even just your acquaintances as well. We don't need any more negativity or conflict in the world right now. So, you know, if you can keep yourself from adding to that, then do yourself a favor and try. Agree. Do we have homework this week, babe? Of course. We always have homework. Y'all are never getting off the hook with this homework. Um, I'm the nerd kid who's like, you forgot to sign the homework. (laughs) Teacher's pet. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Um, This time I have real homework that I am going to do as well. It's not something that I have done. So we will all share our experience next week, hopefully. Um, But we're going to try a journaling exercise. Um, over the course of this week. Okay. So what we're going to do is when you have a free moment to yourself sometime over the next seven days, and you will have at least one one moment to yourself, even if it's when everybody else is asleep, you can journal in one minute. You can find one minute in the day. I promise you, you can. Um, What we're going to do, you're going to find a notebook, 
something. It can just be a sheet of paper, something to write. It can be a napkin, honestly. We're just going to like start the actual act of journaling. So I don't want you to think too much about, I have to go buy all these supplies. And I don't have the right pens. And like, <laughs> I need this kind of notebook and all this. It's all about just getting started. So if you just can grab the thing closest to you. If you have a pen sitting in a drawer and I don't know, a sheet of paper sitting over there or a napkin from the takeout you got, or heck, if you have a Sharpie, just write on the back of your baby's head. I don't care. Um, we're going to journal. Uh, we're going to talk about, or we're going to write about the last time you did not feel lonely. So we're going to stick with this loneliness theme, but we're going to write it out and come out on the other side of it, right? So Let's go. <clears throat> we're going to write down the time when we didn't feel lonely. Even if it's just one sentence, you're going to write it down. It can literally be, I didn't feel lonely when my mom was in town last. And that's it. That's all you have to do, right? If you want to write a little bit more, write a paragraph, write 10 pages about it. Do that as well. Do what is most comfortable for you. Um, but what I want you to do when you are writing, and then as soon as you get done and you put your pen or pencil down, is to just think about every detail of that moment. So even if you wrote that one sentence, you can still kind of marinate on... Uh, what that one sentence meant to you. <clears throat> if you wrote 10 pages, great, you got it out of your head. Um, and now you can allow some of the feelings to come in attached to that. Um, and just focus on, you know, when you're doing this, focus on how you feel and maybe like why you feel that way. Hmm. So are you feeling happy about the fact that, you know, I felt less lonely when my mom was here last time? Why did you feel less lonely? What are the things attached to that, right? What are the, what are the feelings? What are the emotions? What are, what did that moment mean to you? Um, just explore that, poke around a bit. Um, you might feel a little uneasy about it. It might make you a little bit sad because you're reminiscing about something. And that's totally fine. That's what reminiscing does and being nostalgic does. Um, don't be afraid of that. Don't run from that. You actually learn a lot from those experiences. So mm -hmm. let those emotions come in <clears throat> um, and just meditate a bit. And again, when we talk about meditation and being mindful of these kind of moments, it doesn't have to be a full-blown, I sat down for 30 minutes and thought about this. If, you, if the best you can do is write one sentence down and sit with that moment for 30 seconds, that's still better than you not doing it at all. So I encourage you all to do that. Um, and Maddie and I will do it as well. And then we're going to share next week. And guess what, you guys? We actually want to hear from you this time. Um, we actually always want to hear from you. So uh, whenever you want to let us know, you know, how you did on your homework, if you want to let us know, you know, how you're taking your meds and what's kind of making you happy and feeling joyful um, these days, or if you just want to, like, talk to us in general about anything, maybe there's something on your mind. We're not, like, a hotline, but um, you can reach out to us. Uh, you can email us at qbtpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 971-220-8874. Yes, hotline bling, but the Erica Badu version only. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks to everyone who wrote in about loneliness. We definitely utilize that as conversation starters for this week's episode. You can follow us at QBTPod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you to all of you guys who have done that already. Mm, I love you. Um, love me, love me, love you. Um, big thank you to Marquis and Shanti Darling for letting us use their music. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Miss Allie Kiltz for helping us with editing, listen to her podcast, trace material about the history and future of hemp. This, mm -hmm. Shawnee, was an extra long episode. 
It was. It was jam-packed. It was stuffed. Yes. I don't know if we'll be able to have the stamina to do this every week, but um, we'll do something. I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm excited. I The concept of loneliness is huge and big and unable to kind of be captured in a short amount of time. So we'll touch base with those things on future episodes. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Love you guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>